Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, a music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, it's Light Years by Kylie Minogue. She's finally arrived. It nearly took a year. Well, it's taken a good few months, hasn't it? And Dan, I'm honestly surprised this is the first time we're talking about Kylie. Are you even more surprised that we've talked about Danny first? Uh, May I think there is something as pop aficionados mm. around the quality of Danny Minogue's Neon Knights versus some of Kylie Minogue's back catalogue meant that we felt urged to go towards her first. And of course, it was there was some sort of anniversary. It was a very time, tenuous anniversary at the time which as well. We're a big fan of. Yes, but we're not making any bones about the fact today, although I think you've got something up your uh, shirt sleeves, but actually we are talking about Kylie Minogue today because we are starting our Road to Glastonbury uh, episodes as we get closer towards going to Glastonbury. Absolutely. It's uh, So two weeks tomorrow, I'll be heading there. You go on the Thursday, don't you? I'll... I like to rock up a little bit late, fashionably late. Mm, okay. So two weeks tomorrow, I will be heading there and I will be playing Kylie loud and proud in the car there because, of course, she is this year's Sunday legend. A slot at the festival that's been taken before by Lionel Richie, Barry Gibb, Dolly Parton. But, of course, way back when, Kylie was going to headline. So how do you feel about her taking the Sunday legend slot? Do you think she should have been given her chance to headline or do you think this was the right thing to do? This was the right thing to do. For me, actually, if I think back to the last few years at Glastonbury, I have enjoyed Sunday afternoon almost as one of the best moments for me. So for the uninitiated, and if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you probably know who Kylie Minogue is. Mm. Uh, Kylie Ann Minogue, otherwise known as Kylie, Australian singer, started in Neighbours, has gone on and had a very successful career in pop music, with many peaks to mm. it. Many peaks, and a few troughs. Is that peaks and troughs? Is that the phrase? Well, I was going to say bum notes, but yeah, you're bang on, actually. <laughs> well, a particular bum note on one of the s- singles from this album, actually. I uh, will come on to that, actually. Mm. And Dan, is there another reason why we're talking about Light Years, as well as the start of our Road to Glastonbury episodes? Well, of course, that's the real reason, but it is actually next week marks 19 years since the release has been around. Oh my goodness, I work with people younger than how old this album is, which is crazy. It's, uh, yeah, because this was sort of her comeback, wasn't it? This album was her comeback after the indie wilderness years. Wonderful years. They were wonderful. Yeah. She was kind of like trudging through the desert with her welly boots on or her cowboy boots on. And then she popped on a pair of golden hot pants and she was back. And it does feel like... You know, some comebacks are for a limited time, aren't they? And then people phase out again. This was a comeback that she's... Well, she's yeah, not been away since. It's been two decades. It's been her longest reigning era as a pop star um, has been since this comeback. And she clearly... She's much loved. She clearly loves doing it still. Yeah. I can't wait to see her. It's been a good few years since I last saw her at... I think it was British Summertime in Hyde Park. Yes, we, we, we were together, both there, we? yeah. It was a great set. And then I was lucky enough to see her last year at Hyde Park as part of BBC Two's Festival in a Day, um, which wasn't as good because you weren't there with me. Oh, that's a lovely thing to say. Mm. Well, we'll be there again together. 
Hand in hand. With other people. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, all perfectly chased. Chased? Chased. Hmm? Uh, there's nothing funny going on. Oh, right. We're, we are really making it feel like there's something funny going on. There's nothing going on. No. Anyway. <laughs> is, it, I can, is this going to be like a um, EastEnders, you know, when Sharon got caught out because she recorded that she was uh, having it off with... Grant or Phil? One Phil, that was a brilliant moment, wasn't it? And it was in the Queen Vic. Yeah. Uh, should we dive in? Let's dive in. So, Will, I'm confused about track one. What's going on here? Yeah, I thought you'd ask about that. So uh, there's a secret hidden sort of pre-track one track. On the CD? Uh, which we've had much debate around whether it's, whether it's going to count for us today. Dan, what do you think? We're normally very strict with bonus tracks and the like, mm. aren't we? Should we put it on? Do you know what? Yeah. Let's put it on. It's, it's a really, it's a fun song. So this is track, side one, track naught. This is <laughs> Password. So we skipped back our CD player there to track zero uh, with Password. Uh, what a fantastic time to talk. No, I'm joking, oh, I'm wow. joking. But that would be the earliest. Yeah, on track zero, I don't think we could ever get any any more early <laughs> without going back in time. Step back in time. Well, very good. Thank you. Turn back time. Uh, well, what do you think about that song? I don't want to say, actually, as an album opener, because I, I, for some people, they might never have found that song. But what do you think about that song as a song? It's okay, isn't it? It's a fun song. It's yeah. I was avoiding the usual cliches, but you know, it's a it's a it's a bouncy little number. It's not gonna it's not going to affect anybody or upset anybody. Yeah, I definitely found it. Oh, fun again. Um, does for me have a bit of an air of groovies in the heart to it? Yeah, there's a bit of funk in there, isn't there? Yeah, there's a bit of funk. There's a bit of nice bouncing bass in there, um, and the vocal. I think if you think about. Previous to this, it was Kylie's indie years. It was her work with Manic Street Preachers and Nick Cave and all that kind of stuff. This is just highlighting how she's her vocal has changed. That kind of wispy, airy, the kind of thing that she's doing on Santa Baby, basically. Yes, indeed. I think we should not dwell any longer on this track and actually get stuck in proper to side one, track one. Oh, finally! This is spinning around. Spinning around there. What this was, this is the epitome of a comeback single. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was one of those where when you heard it and when you saw the video, because this was back in the days when you'd see the video on MTV a few weeks before the track was released, you just kind of knew this was going to be a big song, didn't you? This was huge when it came out. It was a number one single. Yep. And it sounds like a number one single. And it sounds like a number one single of 2000 as well. 
it was I remember this period of time well and this was a real soundtrack to that year Kylie I... was back um, I remember seeing her in Plymouth on it wasn't the Radio One Roadshow. This is when it had sort of transitioned into one big Sunday. Oh, okay. Um, before, so it was between like the Radio One Roadshow, which was daily Monday to Friday for like six weeks over the summer. One big Sunday was every week on a Sunday over the summer in a different place. And obviously now we're at big weekend, big weekend, which is one weekend a year in a different place. And this was in Plymouth. I remember. Uh, it was a it was a it was a great day, but it was just the epitome of that the the turn of the century, if you will. Yeah, oh, of course it was. Yeah, this was post Y two K bug, uh, and it she came back with this, and it was iconic. The video, the yeah. gold hot pants, and I have to say that is full commitment from you putting someone today. Well. I do like to reflect the artist we're talking about in my dress. Well, your art is reflecting in my face, actually, but um, it looks lovely. Um, well done. I feel like a trussed-up turkey. And you got a few comments, didn't you, walking up the high street? It's particularly in North London. Yeah. Not, not to give the office location away. No, but, uh, GDPR. It's uh, north of the river. So this was big hit single, uh, a return to her dance pop sound after some times in some time in the indie wilderness, you might say. Definitely not that I not that I was at all concerned about that. I did love her like impossible princess deconstruction period. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, we're very lucky to have had that period, I think. But this certainly was a return to pop. But also, if you think to the kind of Stock Aitken Waterman years, this is a more sophisticated. It's a very much polished pop disco influence sound, but it's a more sophisticated version of it, isn't it? And I remember think I remember at the time. This is probably like um, goodness me, this is probably like a, a sexism, ageism uh, topic. But I remember when she came back with this at the time. There's a bit of kind of oh, Kylie's a bit older now, and she's wearing those hot pants and whatnot. But she's only just turned fifty, so she must have just have been about thirty when she released this. Which is ridiculous now when you think about it. Yeah, it? absolutely ridiculous. And I have to say, she's looking fantastic for 50. She looks amazing. Stunning. Yes. So, Dan, I think there's some interesting um, production, writing and production behind this track. Well, absolutely. And um, actually, just going to lay my cards out on the table, and I mentioned this to you earlier. Ahead of us recording this episode, I'd never listened to this album before. Shocking. It really I'm is. Shook. I Around this time is when I was doing my... Um, famous disco roadshow back in uh, North Nottinghamshire and South Yorkshire exclusively. So I had, you know, you had to have the new tracks at the time and I had to get those on single, CD single, because it was the only way to get them. So I had this song I had on a night like this on single, never ever listened to the album. And what's weird is that Fever that came next. I absolutely loved it. That was a great album. But why, yes, why aren't we doing that one? There's a big anniversary coming up in September. <laughs> <laughs> um... So this song, the thing that I learned about this in uh, kind of on the conference call, uh, Paula Abdul was one of the co-writers and it was going to be released by her. Paula Abdul, famous mm. for... Pop Idol, American Idol. Yeah, not getting on with Simon Cowell. Mm. Recently she did a fantastic performance. Did you see it? She was given, I think, some sort of lifetime achievement and her performance was incredible, I have to say. What song did she sing? All, 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 all the hits. Straight Up. It's the only one I can remember. Is that one with the cat? Cartoon no, cat? that was Opposites Attract. Oh. Questionable content. Really? Well, they're talking about 
being attracted to each other. One of them's a human woman and the other one is a cat. Mm. I'll have to give it another watch. Um, so, and it's an old friend, that not often mentioned, but an old friend on production duties, isn't it? Not. Oh, I won't go through the pretense of mentioning all the producers that we talk about frequently. It's Mike Spencer, who has worked with years and years, rudimental, but the one that often stands out for us, and actually, why haven't we done this album yet? It's Figure Eight by Ellie Golding, which is a fantastic Sensational production. Sensational track. Mm. We need to put that on the list. So, should we move on to track two? So, track two, uh, and we're staying at the disco for this, and I actually, I actually will listen to it and I will talk about it afterwards. This is On A Night Like This. There were only three, possibly two tracks into the album. And I think I have to say that is my highlight of the album and quite possibly my favourite Carly single ever. Well, how do you follow up a massive comeback single uh, like Spinning Around? Uh, well, by releasing a song that bangs even harder than than the first one. And and I know and I, I'm very aligned with your opinion on that. I think it is... Uh, one of my favourite Kylie tracks. It's so like the this dance sort of pop disco is just it's quality as well, isn't it? It is that, for that genre. It's a quality production. And you know what? This is probably a great time to talk about who is on that production because it's a, a team. Again, actually, this is um, this episode's going to be, I think, a bit of a who's who of uh, some of our favourite writers and producers who have appeared on. Quite a few of the episodes we talked about, but not for a while actually. So it's, uh, it's like a trip down memory lane this episode. So we've got four writers, but there's two that also produce it. So we've got Graham Stack. Graham um, is the musical producer and director of The X Factor and Britain's Got Talent. So, you know, realistically, he is a huge name in the music scene, isn't he? Working alongside Simon Cowell. Well, he's also um, worked with the likes of Take That, Tina Turner. Uh, Girls Allowed, Atomic Kitten, Steps, Westlife, Donna Summer, Rod Stewart, Il Devo, and Dan, your favourite, James Arthur. Well, you're not far off there, but also I, I can't believe you've gone through the list without mentioning, without mentioning that he produced um, H and Claire's DJ. Oh, which you are a fan of. Well, it's, it's on the long list. And also All Stars back when. Oh, that was nice. That was it? lovely. All and stars. also we've got Mark Taylor. Now, Mark Taylor... Well, his songwriting production credits include Believe by Cher. Well, and All or Nothing and Strong Enough. So all the best songs off that album were written by him. We've talked about Mark Taylor a hell of a lot, haven't we? Uh, And we have heard from him as well previously. Yes, we have. What a gent. So Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. So that song was only ever going to be, I think, a hit. And just that whole mixture of the comeback was spinning around and then all of those people working on this track. For me, it's, it's, it is disco slash dance again, but it's almost a few hours later after spinning around. Things are going to be a bit harder on the dance floor. Well, I almost think a bit 
You know the um, so we mentioned this well as track was playing the Abbey Road Studios version mm. strips it back and it's all about the strings and things like that and when I listen to it it's that, that's what I hear more than the beat I think uh, I love that, you know hearing it live it's great to dance to but I really hear the more sultry side of it maybe and if you don't enjoy sultry things there's a brilliant motivate remix of this track as well and if you don't know who motivate are bugger off stop listening. <laughs> Right, now you've got rid of all the listeners, let's move on. (laughs) So this is track, what is it, three or four? I'm so confused. It's track three because the first one was zero. Right, I'll try and remember that. This is So Now, Goodbye. So now goodbye, and we're definitely into album track territory here. Yeah, we really are. Is it? Is it that the singles from this album are so good that inevitably the quality just couldn't shine through on on the album tracks as well? I, th- I think so. And this is, I mean, it's it's a good it's a good song. It's quite inoffensive, frothy, kind of middle of the road dance pop. Yeah, it's interesting because this was co-written by Steve Anderson. And he worked with Kylie on uh, Confide in Me, which is, I think, one of her most peculiar tracks, I suppose. It's really experimental. So for him to work with her during those years and then co-write this, which sounds very much like her early years, I find that a little bit confusing. It's somewhat of something of a ju- juxtaposition. Well, quite. Um, but do you th- I, feel, I feel like this track could have been on an early album next to The Locomotion. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a nice enough song, but very inoffensive, and dare I say it, a bit bland. Right, well, let's crack on. So, we're on to track number four now. Disco Down. So that was Disco Down. I think things are definitely picked back up again after track three. Make you go running back to the dance floor again. Yeah, I really like this one. It starts out with some guitar that sounds very much like Abba's Does Your Mother Know. Did you pick up on that? No. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I had had Nana from the Royal Family with me then. (laughs) Yeah, right, Nana. And... I thought that was a great kind of upbeat start. And I feel like as it goes on, there's sort of disco bells in there, a little bit like Blondie's Rapture. I think it's a very good disco song that pays homage to some disco classics. However, it does feel like this song's called Disco Down. We've had spinning around. This isn't even the only track on the album with the word disco in the title. Do you think she's trying to tell us something? I feel like 
Kylie Coe had a board meeting and they said, what about a disco album? And they all went off and did their bits and pieces and this is what they came back with. And, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, yeah, it feels like they had... It doesn't feel like the album maybe came together organically. It feels like they had an al- uh, an idea for what they wanted it to sound like before they made that sound. It's a perfectly serviceable song, though, in terms of this album. And if it came on in a nightclub... Oh, I'd just go down to it, don't get me wrong. I think, what am I doing in a nightclub? <laughs> if it came on in the bingo hall... I think... Must, must get my dibby-dabber out <laughs> for the numbers. But this, this disco theme is going to continue, and it's probably going to continue in the next song. Yeah, so we're moving on now to track number five, which is Love Boat. Love me. Love Boat, which was the first track, uh, which was a collaboration with Guy Chambers and Robbie Williams. And again, having not listened to this album ahead of, well, ahead of the research for this episode of the podcast, I had no idea that Robbie and Guy Chambers had written more than Kids uh, for Kylie. And we'll come on to the other track later yeah. that they've also written. But And the other track, I'd, I've heard that other track because it's almost, it, was, it, was a, it wasn't a single in the UK. Let's not get into details about the track. But I can't believe that I, I didn't know that they had such an impact on this, this time of her career. And although not credited per se, Def, Robbie Williams is definitely on backing vocals in this track. Yes. I can definitely hear him in the mix. Yeah, he'd want to be in the mix, wouldn't he? Oh, he's... Yeah, he gets everywhere. Bloody Robbie. Bloody Robbie Williams. Uh, So, Love Boat. And I know you've been a fan of my French vocab over the last few weeks. Mm. A little bit more of it in there. Can you uh, repeat what was said? Well, one of the phrases was sous la mer, which was on the sea, which would be in keeping with the Love Boat theme. Yes. Have you ever been on one of those Love Boat rides that they get in the, I think, many moons ago, they used to be in the um, fairgrounds, didn't they? Have you ever been on one? No. Hmm. Me neither. Perhaps we could... Try and find one. Not that there's anything going on. No, 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 no. We'd uh, cook could sit between us. It'd be strictly business. <laughs> um, also, Guy James and Robbie Williams co-wrote this, but they co-wrote it with Kylie herself. Um, and I think she has always had a bit of a hand in the writing on the album, doesn't she? She's never kind of taken over and written it all herself, but it's nice that she does play a part in that process. And I'm sure Robbie was very pleased to have a hand in Kylie's work. But I just, I love the fun and frivolity of this song. It sounds, it's, it, for me, it's a kind of a cross between a, a easy listening 1970s kind of thing and also a bit like a, a TV theme tune. Lovely. Mm. Track six now, uh, onto Cuckoo Tune. <laughs> Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> Catch a goo goo. 
that was Kukachu. Didn't go the way I was expecting. No? What did you expect? Well, I thought it, it turned out better than I thought it was going to. Because you were humming along to something else, wasn't you, when it was um, playing? I, was, I thought it started off a bit like uh, The Beat Goes On by The All-Seeing Eye. Do you remember that mm. song? I think you bang on the money there, actually. Which was a great song back in the day, who they also worked with, Phil Oakey, who we were talking about just a couple of weeks ago. Did they really? Or even last week. What did they do with him? Well, we were talk- uh, it was called a track called First Man in Space. Because didn't they also do Walk Like a Panther with Tony, Tony Christie? Tony Christie, yeah. Good knowledge. Mm. That's why you're doing a podcast. And that's why we'd, we'll maybe do a quiz one day. Ooh. Mm. What do you think to that? Um, Kukachu, this song, I feel like we've gone from the disco of the 70s um, with Spinning Around and things like that. We've gone to the easy listening 70s with Love Boat. Uh, and now I feel like we're back in the 60s and kind of like an Austin Powers kind of thing. Yes, it was very psychedelic, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not Austin Powers that is uh, playing a hand in this song. It's Johnny Douglas. Are you familiar with Johnny Douglas? Not personally, but I know that he professionally. has... Professionally. Professionally, very much so. <laughs> um, he has worked with some incredible names, hasn't he? To name but a few, George Michael, Whitney Houston... Uh, some are still alive as well. Uh, Liberty X, All Saints, Sugar Babes. Um, and just to name a few tracks, things like Outside and Amazing by George Michael, which actually are two of my favourite songs of his. Outside was very good. And Red-Blooded Woman by Kylie. Uh, which was from very good. an album a few years after this. What a fun song. It really is a fun song. And this next song is a really fun song, actually. This is... Well, this is track seven, Your Disco Needs You. Your Disco, Your Disco, Your Disco Needs You. Your Disco, Your Disco, Your Disco Needs You. Desperately seeking someone willing to travel. You're lost in conversation Well, oh. we were dancing like our lives depended on it just then. It's like the grand final of Strictly Come Dancing in here. Oh. What, um, a, what, a, what a brilliant pop song. It really is. I, I love, right at the end, there's those almost operatic notes. Is that Kylie, do you think, or is that... Uh, it's Robbie. <laughs> because this is the second track uh, that we're going to talk about today that was... Uh, written in collaboration with Guy Chambers and Robbie Williams, which is very surprising when you listen to it. It is. And also, I'm just surprised, as I mentioned before, as I hinted at before, that I've known of this song, because this is one of those examples. I think this was a, a single in Europe, wasn't it? But not in the UK. But this is more known than some of her bigger singles, this song, isn't it? By her fans. Let's let's not beat around the bush here. The it's a gay anthem. Love it. It's a gay anthem. <laughs> and I guess it's... It's dramatic, it's... Uh, grandiose. It's grandiose, you know, it's got... Almost Trevor Horn could be uh, all over it. Completely. Uh, it, it makes me think very much of something along the lines of Love is a Bourgeois Construct by the Pet Shop Boys. It's, it is up there with that. Mm. Um, it's just... It's great fun, but, you know, if you were dancing to this song, it would just be the most important thing in the world for those <sighs> three minutes. Is she going to do it at Glastonbury? 
I don't know, but it is a crowd pleaser. It is. And interestingly, because it wasn't a UK single, I don't believe it appears on her new greatest hit, Step Back in Time. It's not on there. And interestingly, for when it was released in Spain, in Germany, uh, the, the language was changed as well. Really? Yeah, to reflect the country it was released in. Good for her. Uh, and the video is uh, quite something, if you've not seen it. Have a look at it on YouTube. I actually haven't seen this. Oh, well, I don't think... Oh, I'm getting flashbacks. Maybe I have seen it. It's as over-the-top uh, and needlessly grandiose as you would expect it to be. I hope we get to hear it, Glasson. That would be a real fun camp moment, wouldn't it? And you could always do with a pinch more of that sort of thing at Glastonbury. Yeah, there's never too much. And do you know what... As if it wasn't a gay anthem enough already, there are almighty remixes of this track as well. Of course there are almighty remixes of this track. Did they even need to? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're going to move on now. Will, grab your maracas, put on your cha-cha skirt on top of those golden hot pants. And I'll have a glass of sangria, please. Coming up, because this is Please Stay. Quite a sudden fade at yeah, the quite end, shocking, really. Mm, I was not expecting nowhere. that. I was choked on my wine, just trying to swallow it down before it, we started talking again. There's all that fruit in it. It's not real wine, is it? It's sangria. Uh, yes. Uh, now, what is it about uh, modern or certainly female solo artists in the late 90s and early noughties where uh, one song that they released on their album had to be like a kind of Spanish, flamenco-y kind of... Uh, Latin-y theme. You're talking about Machico Latino, aren't you? I'm talking about Machico Latino, I'm talking Dove L'Amour, I'm talking about that one that Gina G did. Tiamo. Tiamo. Please Stay was the third single, if I'm not mistaken, from the Fourth album. Fourth single, actually. Fourth? Do you know what I'm forgetting about? Yeah. One we haven't come to we've yet. Not, we've not got there yet, but... You yeah. could say it was the third single from Kylie herself. Yes. Um, and for me, I remember at the time when this came out, I remember thinking, you know, this is a nice enough song, but I don't think I got the CD single on, like, spinning around and on and out like this. And I think it was almost was always that the third-ish single that used to be... Because you'd have the first single be a big hit, pop, comeback style. Second one would be more of a kind of sleeper hit. Yeah. But really good, and sometimes preferable to the first track. The third one would always be something a bit different, so that would be the time for the kind of Spanishy, salsery track. Hmm. I like this, but it is quite forgettable. So uh, let's talk about the writers on this one. It's uh, alongside Kylie herself, uh, Richard Stannard and Julian Gallagher. Now, Richard Stannard, we uh, have spoken about many times before, he worked a lot with the Spice Girls, didn't he? He did, and you can kind of hear that a little bit. You definitely can. Uh, Julian Gallagher, uh, he worked a lot with Five back in the day, including Keep On Moving. Uh, and also did a lot with Kylie's Fever, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about sometime. Uh, and those two also produced it. And then there's John Themis, uh, who worked a lot, actually, with uh, Culture Club. 
some of their nineties work, which um, don't ask me to name any of those songs because quite simply because I can't. you can't. No, <laughs> but interestingly, all three of those worked on Emma Bunton's "What Took You So Long," which was a fantastic solo single. I thought. Mm. Okay, so time to move on. Track number nine now. Bittersweet goodbye. Will, that's your favourite song on the album. It's a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork on this album. And it's an iconic shot, actually. It, yes, it really is. It's Kylie uh, in a bathers, mm. uh, and she's got the sun setting behind her. And it's stunning, actually. Uh, this was photographed in Ibiza. Was it really? Mm. And that kind of, that light shining through, um, that little bit of glare, is, is a very iconic shot. It's almost... Um, uh, it's obviously it's her on the beach or in the sun, but it also feels like uh, a hint to the dance floor as well. It was it was shot by Vincent Peters. I really like the typeface on Kylie for this era. Um, it's a brilliant cover, uh, one of her more most iconic album covers. Actually, the Fever one was pretty iconic as well. But as you mm. said, we'll probably come back to talk about that at some point at a later date. The song itself, then, will I? I don't like it. Oh wow! It's that... a bit. I'm not a ballad fan, but I think this one is so sickly sweet that it reminded me a little bit of the theme music from Howard's Way. Um, I'm not aware of Howard's Way. And if you know, listeners, what Howard's Way is, you're listening to track by track, the trash <laughs> music podcast. For me, there's um, there's bits of it that sound a little bit Disney almost, um, and there are a few little. There must be a few chords that are, uh, sound the same as the Titanic score. It's just very, yeah. And it's interesting because this is another song uh, with Steve Anderson. Again, a reminder, he's the guy that worked with Kylie on Confide in Me. So it's uh, interesting that they wrote that really avant-garde ballad together, I would say. And then they wrote this, which is, yeah, it's just not a great song. Uh, and we won't dwell on it because we know there's more to come. This one's a bit of a banger, actually. It's track 10, Butterfly. <laughs> bottle you just tried to pass under my nose there what's going on if you seem a bit uptight on this podcast i was wanting to loosen you up a little bit now that's probably the danciest track we've had on this album so far it really is it yeah that feels like being in an underground club in the middle of europe off your face on happiness and life and red stripe why not a stark contrast to the previous track and thank goodness yes it was well needed and I didn't know, again, I'm, I'm finding out more on this episode than I ever have before. This was a single, wasn't it? It was a single, which does seem a bit strange because it doesn't strike you as... I mean, it's one of those wonderful album tracks you get two-thirds of the way through the album. But 
doesn't strike you as a single, does it? It was released as the sixth single and first promotional single from the album. So A buzz track, if you will. Well, a buzz track at the end of all the rest of the songs being released, so a bit of a weird one. Should we, should we blame it on the charts being a strange place at the time, as we often do? Oh, yeah, etc., etc. Although, having said that, this was the time, actually, wasn't it, when songs would go straight into number one, and like spinning around and on a night like this, we'd go straight into number one for a couple of weeks, then just drop out. Well, I have to say, for any um, CD single fans, and we know there are quite a few out there, because uh, you had some in your, uh, in your flat the other week. Uh, yes, a lovely collection that's since gone on to new homes. Lovely. Uh, this CD maxi single had eight remixes by different producers. Most of eight on there? Sadly not. Almighty? Sadly not. Uh, Slew Sisters? Sadly not. Who was on there? Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Illicit Mix, E Smooth Dub. Oh, yes. Uh, Sandstorm Mix. Mm. Is that by Darude? <laughs> I don't think so. And this one had a completely different producer to any other tracks in the album. It's produced by Mark Picciotti, who has done a lot of remixes for Beyonce, Katy Perry, Mariah Carey, Rihanna, Daft Punk, The Killers, etc. Foster the People, actually, who I love. Another one for the long list. And he also produced and co-wrote Give It To Me from Fever, which I'm sure we'll get on to talking about at some point. I think we need to now, because we've mentioned it so many times. Uh, Track number 11 now. This is Under the Influence of Love. Under the Influence of Love, uh, this is a cover, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, from uh, Felice Taylor, originally had a hit with it in 1967, which was written by Paul Politi and Barry White. Barry White? Um, Love Walrus. It is... I find, I think it's quite catchy. I don't, I don't necessarily dislike it, but it very much feels like Love Boat, uh, that kind of whimsical... I think there's some, a bit of flute going on in the middle of it. 70s kind of thing. It's not my favourite sound that we're hearing on this album. It was quite fun. We had our arms in the air um, for some of that. Um, a lovely routine. But um, what I do like, actually, is her vocal in this one. In the verses in particular, you hear her kind of playing with her voice a bit more. It's almost a few vocal acrobatics. I'm not saying she's anywhere like uh, Christina or Jessie J. But, and, you know, thank God, because... Can't stand listening to them. No, but nice that she's playing with herself. <laughs> Track 11 now. This is I'm So Hot. That was I'm So High. That's another song on the album written with Guy Chambers, uh, but no Robbie on this one. No, and I think it's another one of those songs, a bit 60s inspired, isn't it? Yeah, 
bit sixties, and also I felt it was just harking back a little bit to those indie years we've spoken about before. Yeah, it did have a feel of that attraction with the Manic Street Preachers. Oh, some kind of bliss, mm. which is a fantastic song, I have to say. And this song was also co-written with Megan Smith. Megan actually recorded this song. She wrote it with Guy Chambers and she uh, recorded it back in 1998. Um, it wasn't a hit, sadly. Um, so uh, off it went to Kylie. Okay, so we're on to track 13 now. Um, and we've got a couple of bangers to see us out. And it's not often like I have quite much, a lot of joy in saying that at the end of an album. Yeah. But track number 13, Robbie Williams is back uh, full full on here for kids. I'm an honoree, Sean Connery, born 74. There's only one of me, single-handedly raising the economy. Ain't no chance of the record company stopping... I oh, know I got it wrong. It I, could only be the from the pen of Robbie Williams. Yes, uh, not on this version, sadly, but I think on his uh, album, Sing When You're Winning, he had that full version of the track. Clearly didn't want to take the spotlight away from Kylie on her own album. And quite right too, actually. Mm. This is... This was anthemic almost at the time definitely yeah and it was great because Kylie had just come back with spinning around and on a night like this and then all of a sudden she had this huge uh, duet with Robbie Williams one of the biggest pop stars I was going to say on the planet but I'm going to pull that in, in a little in bit I'm going to rein that in one of the biggest pop stars in Europe pre-Brexit of course yeah this was a huge it was an anthemic it, what I like about it is it takes Kylie back to that indie thing that we've been saying this whole album, pretty much, that she's uh, taken herself away from. Yes, it does. But I think it was a lovely diversion through this album campaign. Uh, just when you've had two disco bangers to have this. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, two iconic singers coming together. Yeah. Um, with uh, Co-written with Guy Chambers, who, of course, was... I remember Robbie Williams once saying that Guy Chambers is as much Robbie Williams as I am. And they're only very limited uh, times they've actually performed this together. Well, yeah, because when I saw her last year at Hyde Park, she had Rick Astley singing this with her. Yes. No, she... hang on, I think I'm getting it wrong. I think that was especially for you, which you had him doing No, you're it. bang on there. It was with Rick Astley, actually, oh. in Hyde Park. She's performed this with her sister as well. Oh, how lovely. And also with Bono. I, I, you know, I'm a big U2 fan, so that's great. I'm not going to put them on the long list, though, are we? Well, we could do. Can't do? Yeah. Oh, deal. Uh, this was a huge hit, obviously. It got to number two in the charts and sold oh, in excess of 200,000 copies. What stopped it getting to number one? Funnily enough, it was Beautiful Day by U2. Really? Yeah. Oh, I feel a bit awkward now. I do remember when this came out, uh, seeing an interview with Kylie, and she said that in the she was in the studio with... Robbie Williams and Guy Chambers and obviously they'd written Your Disco Needs You and Love Boat and then they were showing this song and Robbie said oh yeah this is your bit and this is my bit and he hadn't actually sort of said to her do you want to release it as a duet he just told her basically this is you know we're doing this one together 
Thank God he did. Well, it worked out for the best. We're on to the last track of the album. This is track number 14, and it's the title track from the album. Uh, uh, Strangely, for the last track, this is Light Years. Into the album, love that. It's great. Isn't it? In fact, while I was playing, you said it was the perfect way to end an album, and I completely agree with you. It's almost ethereal. I love that. It feels like the end of a journey, and I love yeah. the spoken words. Thank you for flying KM Air. Um, this must have been before Animatronic had been promoted to uh, <laughs> speak on flight. And if you know what I'm talking about, you're listening to track by track. Uh, no, this is. It's obviously I. We've talked in previous weeks, I don't like an album that peters out, this doesn't. It's just a lovely, it almost sounds a bit like uh, a bit faithless, Rollo and Sister Bliss yeah. sort of thing. It really is, is. a kind of epic dance pop. Yeah. I, I hear hints of Georgia Moroder with some of the synth work in there. Of course you would. Well, I, I did think, come on Dan, think of another example apart from Georgia <laughs> Moroder, but it is. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Duran Duran through the course of this episode. Oh, I thought we were going to get a whole episode without talking about them. Hey, we haven't done further listening yet. But yeah, I love it. I love that it's just a little bit more experimental. We've had like the really big disco bangers. We've had the kind of uh, whimsical 70s stuff, but this feels very much more experimental. You can't really put this track in a box, can you? You can't put it in a box. Why would you want to? No, you want to take it out of the box and play it. Yes. So, that's the end of the album. Further listening now. Dan, what are we doing for further listening for Kanye Where where do we Where do you even start? So, to tie in nicely with Kylie's upcoming Glasto slot, her record company and her have very kindly released a new uh, Greatest Hits package. That's very good of them, isn't it? Very good. Very uh, handy to have it all together. It's called Step Back in Time. Um, and it comprises many of her biggest hits, but... Not all of them. There's a couple missing, actually, so... And I think we want to fill in the blanks, don't we? Yes, absolutely. So it's going to be singles this week, but it's going to be some that, for some reason or other, haven't appeared on there, and I think we both kind of want to fight the case for the track that we think should have been on there. So, Will, what track, what single from Kylie should have been on Step Back in Time? For my selection, I am going to go with a lovely little one from 2005. It's called Giving You Up. So that was Giving You Up. That was released as a single on 28th of March 2005. It was uh, one of the new songs recorded for her third greatest hits album, Ultimate Kylie. The other one being... I Believe in You, co-written by 
Jake Shears and Baby Daddy from Sister Sisters. So I think she definitely approached, we've talked about this before, the the whole concept of new additional new tracks recorded for Greatest Hits album. And sometimes that can come across as a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. But for Kylie, she rolled in two big guns. Absolutely, yeah. Um, for the two new tracks for this one. So this was giving you up. So this was Xenomania. Uh, and it was at the height of Xenomania. So this was written by Miranda Cooper, Brian Higgins and Tim Powell, amongst other people, and produced by Brian Higgins' Xenomania. This was one of three known tracks that Kylie recorded with Xenomania. The other one was a B-side. Uh, one of the others was a B-side called Made of Glass, which is definitely worth your attention. Mm. And some might say it bangs even harder than this one. Wow. Uh, the third one, never released, um, but it's floating around. You might be able to listen to it online. It's called Loving You. Uh, this was a hit. Number, it's got to number six in the, in the UK charts when it was released. So why do you think it's not on Step Back in Time then? Because it's not a, you know, I don't think you would know this song unless you are a diehard Kylie fan. Yeah. Although it got to number six, I'd imagine it didn't linger in the charts for too long. No. I certainly remember the song being released. Um... But I didn't know it was a Xenomania song until ju- just now. Um, and, and actually, having now I know that and listening to it, that's the pop police coming to take me away for not knowing that. You can definitely tell because just of the structure of the song and how it doesn't, it's not until almost halfway through the song that the chorus comes in. But actually, is it the chorus? Because it, then it's that that just kind of plays out throughout the rest mm. of the song. It's completely, um, it goes against the rules of pop songwriting as Xenomania so fabulously do. Dan, what about you? So my track is from Kylie's Kiss Me Once album. Oh, I know where you're going with. Which came out in 2014. And so this album's only five years old, but it's completely ignored from Step Back in Time, sadly, um, as is, I believe, her most recent album, Golden. I've just realised where you're going with this. Well, and I like it. Yeah? So, uh, well... Talk about it afterwards. This is I was going to cancel. to give you credit where it's due fantastic choice thank you this is i think this is one of kylie's biggest hidden gems actually because uh this did appear on the kiss me once album it was the second single to be released from it but it didn't do spectacularly well on the charts which is a real shame because it's i mean first of all it's a pharrell williams co-write and production so that in itself you know it should be a huge hit but the sound of this song, it's got a real funk to it. It reminds me a lot of, um, I don't know, something from Blondie or something like that. It's got a bit of sass and it's a bit, it's a bit fierce. Uh, it's something quite melancholic about it as well, which I love. Well, yeah, I do believe that I think Kylie was going through uh, not the best time as she was um, putting this album together and that she literally was going to cancel a studio session with Pharrell. And that's where the inspiration of the track came from. But yeah, I'm a big, big fan this is one of the songs, though. I have to say, the video was not great. I was just, I'm just, put, I'm just playing it now, 
It's quite badly done, I have to say. It reminds me of Jerry's Half of Me video. <laughs> it's meant to, we're just watching it now, listeners. It's meant to look like Kylie is singing amongst a load of crowd, but she's so badly edited into a, an, an, an already badly edited group of people. It's just not convincing. No, it's just, it should have been, been in the discotheque for this one. Yeah, it debuted at number 59, so maybe that's why it's not on Step Back in Time. Also, I've just got to correct myself, uh, because there is a track from Golden on Step Back in Time. It's not dancing, surprisingly, but there is one on there. Uh, also, I'm, I'm just mesmerised by this video. It's basically the same dozen people walking past, so you've just seen the same man wearing a hat walk past three times. Hmm. Well, I need you to turn that video off now. Yeah, We've got to say goodbye to our guests. <laughs> So, we're out of time. What a fun Wait, day. that's your line. So, we're out of time, but we've had a fun day talking about Kylie Minogue today. Yes, it's been fun. Um, you know, it's, it's through this podcast that I've actually finally listened to Light Years all these years later. But are you a fan of Light Years? Was you already a fan of Light Years? Do you think we've said the right things about Light Years? Please do let us know at Move to Trash UK. Hashtag track by track. And if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, uh, do take some time to leave us a uh, review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it only helps bring this to more people's And subscribe. Attention. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. No, don't. You fools. Um, so, Dan, who's coming up next week? So, we are continuing with The Road to Glastonbury. And interestingly, actually, if you've already done a bit of homework, for Glastonbury, you'll know that the people we're talking about next week actually follow Kylie at Glastonbury. What a Sunday that's going to be. So, um, to say anything more would be to give Could it you away. say anything more? No, don't actually, because you could look that up. I could. No, I'm not going to say <laughs> So, until next time, I've been Guy Chambers. And I've been Robbie Williams. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.